Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro Football Doc Podcast, Sports Injury Central Podcast. And yes, football season is official. The Bills had rookies report. The Raiders had rookies report for training camp. And no better guest to start off football season than Sam Monson, PFF lead analyst. Respect his work. Uh, and uh, out of Ireland even, but still great work. Uh, and uh, appreciate you and thank you for joining us here today. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Ireland originally, you wouldn't know it from the accent anymore. It's pretty much disappeared since I uh, moved over to to the U.S. with PFF, but it wasn't that long ago. 2017 was when we moved over. Yeah, and uh, you're in celebration here, the, your Irish roots, the, <laughs> the Irish rugby team, number one. Yeah, wow. um, a lot of historic firsts over the last couple of weeks. First time we beat New Zealand in New Zealand. Um, first series win in New Zealand and go back to number one in the world rankings, not for the first time, but for the second time in Ireland's history. So if New Zealand rugby, and this is 15s, is they're the Patriots, what's Irish rugby? Um, it, it's tough to say now because we've always been the kind of you know, plucky underdog. We're one of those nations that doesn't have a, a big population. So, you know, you've got England and France and South Africa that have these huge population, rugby playing populations to be able to draw from and, you know, just have so much more resources to pump into it. Ireland is a much smaller country. Even within Ireland, you know, the rugby playing population is very small. It's, it's not the first sport. It's not the second or the third sport. So we've always been kind of punching upwards, but over the last few years, we've gotten very good at that. And, you know, between the provinces with Leinster winning multiple European Cups and Ireland going on a run a couple of years ago and now going on a run again under the new coach, I mean, they're sort of, they're justifiably, you know, number one or number two in the world right now, which is a very weird place to be in because they never do well once they get to the World Cup, which is like the point of all this, right? The, it's sort of like the Super Bowl being held every four years instead of every year. And everybody kind of builds to the World Cup. And Ireland has never made it past the quarterfinals of the World Cup. So that kind of makes them, you know, the Minnesota Vikings or, you know, a team that's, that's not uh, you won. Know, you know what I'd call them? Maybe because I'm thinking green, right, Ireland? The Jets. If New, Zealand, New England's, uh, the New Zealand is New England Patriots. The Jets, like under Rex Ryan years, they had some playoff mm. years and they were good. They didn't make that far, but in general, they're always considered a notch below, right? In general, I should shouldn't say anything. USA rugby, <laughs> okay, in sevens maybe a little better. You talk about nations with a lot of people on paper. USA should do very very well. And uh, but believe it or not, uh, Sam, I worked rugby with the USA rugby team a lot with the sevens team, wow, uh, including the Olympic team over the years, and some with fifteens as well. And the transition is hard. I mean, it's like you can be the best athlete in the world as a football player. It's not rugby, right? You know, and uh, and football is four seconds at one hundred and twenty percent. Rugby is continuous flow, right? Yeah, very little stoppage uh, uh, and very few set pieces, right? Where everything in football is so specialized set piece. 
So it's almost like you can be the best runner, jumper, shooter in the world at basketball, but if you haven't played a lot of basketball, you don't understand spacing. You don't understand angles. You don't understand the roles that you have, and that's the difficulty in the U.S. with uh, with rugby players and football players. Although we've had a few that have been successful, and obviously, uh, you know, uh, the most recent Olympics, we had uh, uh, Nate Ebner uh, representing the U.S. as well as being on the Patriots there, uh, etc. Yeah, I mean, I think the U.S. It, the athletes are obviously there, right? But they're all playing football or basketball. It's a similar problem to Ireland in terms of, you know, rugby is so far down the pecking order and, uh, of... What, what what are the sports ahead of rugby? Just I, I don't mean to sideline this much. In Ireland? In Ireland, yeah. Gaelic sports, obviously Gaelic soccer or Gaelic football and, and hurling would be uh, one of the top two. Soccer itself would be well ahead of rugby. Once you get past those three, then rugby, I, I guess, is starting to pick up the rest. It's it's very much kind of localized to, you know, a, a sort of upper middle class school system based in around a few, you know, Dublin and a few other areas. But it's just the the kind of playing pool of uh, of uh, talent is just so much smaller. Where, where does uh, Guinness drinking and darts fall? Well, those are kind of recreational side activities rather than the true, you know, dedicated professional sports. <laughs> no, no question. All right, on to NFL, American football, and uh, your work at Pro Football Focus and whatever. What's your? What are some of your big storylines, thoughts, analysis? A couple of the highlights coming into this season. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this has been one of the most incredible kind of NFL off-seasons that any of us can remember. Um, you know, so many big moves, so many teams that were involved in what looks like an arms race of talent. And you head into the season, and there just seems to be so many contenders. You know, normally there's a couple of teams that everybody is sort of, yeah, these are the two teams that are going to make the Super Bowl. And then there's a few teams that could go on a run. Like this year... Even just the AFC West, it could be four teams that could all, you know, go on a run and make the playoffs and, and win playoff games from that one division, plus all the other teams, you know, Buffalo and, and everybody else that expects to be contenders. So I, I'm so fascinated to see sort of how that shakes out and, um, you know, how many of these teams that look really good on paper are going to play that well and how many of them are going to be sort of going to flatter to deceive and maybe fall off a little bit. And then for the couple of teams that went in the other direction, you know, the, the teams like Green Bay, who trade away Devontae Adams, and Kansas City, who trade away Tyree Kill. Like, how do the teams that decided they could leave their, or let one of their best assets depart, are they still going to be able to contend with the teams that were, you know, acquiring all these assets and trying to build up all the, these incredibly talented players on their roster? Can Aaron Rodgers drag what doesn't look like a good Green Bay receiving core at all to where he needs to go? You know, can Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid get it done without Tyreek Hill? So many interesting storylines. No, absolutely. And I think that's what makes football great. Because of the salary cap, you know, there's financial considerations and, and the way schedules work and everything, the, the parity where every year a, a, a like last year, the Cincinnati Bengals popped up and uh, made the Super Bowl. And uh, it's not always the same teams. It's not always the Yankees and the Dodgers or, you know, what have you. And that's certainly what makes it uh, interesting. And, of course, what we focus on, I think a lot of it, 
sometimes is injury. We're uh, we've ranked our individual players in terms of their Sports Injury Central or six scores, and I don't know how familiar you are with that. And then we're uh, doing teams now, and uh, and uh, as we go through with the, with our analytics guys and our our, our uh, content guys, right now we're not surprised that let's say the AFC East, which we just did yesterday, their team six scores are in the 90s because no team starts the season with major injury holes, right? That means you have a terrible GM if that's the case. <laughs> it's will they stay healthy? And, of course, we have downgraded some guys, and, and we can talk about that. But, you know, we got a lot of weeks to go before week one. I promise you not, the entire AFC East will not be in the 90s uh, in terms of their overall health by week one. I mean, there is going to be stuff that shakes out. And that may play into uh, uh, a lot of this. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the downside to football returning, right, is that day one, as soon as people start set, fit, uh, set foot on the practice field again, you're going to hear the first story about a guy going down with a non-contract, you know, non-contact injury and somebody doesn't have his ACL anymore or somebody blows out an Achilles or whatever it is, as, as soon as we see football return we see these injuries start to mount up and it's such an important part of predicting you know who's going to win the super bowl every single year and it's the part that we can that we don't know right now you know we're not going to have the best handle on on who's going to go down injured but a lot of the times the teams that are left standing are the teams that are most healthy at the end of the year in your analysis how do you track or look at injuries or stay abreast, wait for news to break? What, how do you handle injuries? Because obviously injuries are a big part in the end of what happens. Yeah, I think it's it's very tough because what we found, um, you know, using the analytic data and the, the stuff that our research and development team has done is that in terms of predicting, you know, wins and losses in any given week, there aren't that many players that actually move the needle to the point where it sort of changes everything you think about that game. You know, obviously quarterbacks are one, and when you look at, at PFF's website during the season uh, on our Power Rankings page, we actually have a, a column there that quantifies essentially the number of points the, to the Vegas line that a quarterback is worth. You know, so Patrick Mahomes goes down and a replacement quarterback comes in, it's worth, you know, eight, nine points in the line. It's huge. It's about as good as it's going to get. And then there are quarterbacks that are worth a point, maybe. You know, if these guys go down, the line really isn't moving that much. But quarterback is really the only position where the line moves that amount. You'll you'll see it on a much smaller scale for a wide receiver or, you know, a position like that. But generally speaking, teams are, are good at patching up the loss of a single guy. It's It's really the cumulative effect no question. And when you start to see, particularly position groups, you know, when yep. you have a, a concentration of injuries at a certain spot, that's when the narrative starts to change. And, you know, you see that every year where a certain team just can't catch a break and one position just keeps getting hit over and over again. And that's when it starts to completely change things. No question. And you, you covered a lot of ground there. I mean, uh, we can tell you here at, at uh, sixscore.com that uh, – 
I don't know if our numbers are accurate, but from our experience, that Lamar Jackson is worth three points. Because the last four weeks of the season, John Harbaugh every week would say, oh, he looks good this week. He's got a chance. I think he's going to play. And we're like, no, he's not. And the five-and-a-half line would move to two-and-a-half by Friday right. when he's ruled out. So we know that one you know, uh, pretty, pretty well. But you, you make a good, great point, and that's what I was saying. Because there's so many players, and, of course, you have to factor in the backup, right? And that's where yeah. Mahomes, there's a big drop-off, where in certain places the starting quarterback wouldn't change things as much. But position groups, and that's what we've been trying to do at Sports Injury Central with the field views. So you can see the lineup, and you can see the reds and yellows, let's say, in the front seven, right? And uh, we try and give injury health not just to a squad, a whole team, not just to an offense or defense, but to a run defense or to a run offense. And we uh, we actually worked on that formula with uh, Coach Norv Turner, uh, who is uh, invested in, in with us, uh, et cetera, and, uh, in terms of formulating the value of the left tackle here versus there and the, and the injuries and the different schemes. And I think that ultimately more than just a player look and it's position groups right offense you know new york giants offensive line goes down or the the bengals struggle on the on the right side of their offensive line as they headed into the playoffs and super bowl right and that's that's where things shake out i think more in football than necessarily one guy i mean the ravens uh their running back position last year right i mean they really got hit and actually speaking of the ravens um did you see the J.K. Dobbins news? One of the other things I'll point out is, I hate to tell everybody this, the bad news starts today. And what I mean by that, and you covered it, Sam, as people report to camp and contact injuries, but even non-contact injuries, there's a high rate of ACLs and Achilles early on here, the acclimation injuries, the muscle injuries, the bad news starts today, unfortunately. And what I mean by that, not only because as teams start to report, but like this report on J.K. Dobbins, we've been saying for a while, I think he's a PUP candidate. His injury was much more than an ACL with the LCL. And I think Rap Sheet said something about it today and saying that he's, you know, weak ones in question. Of course, J.K. Dobbins himself contradicted that. Right. But in general, in the off season, what you see is good news. Look at my workout video. I'm optimistic. I'm trying for week one. I think I'm going to make it, this, that, the other. Look at the Michael Thomas stuff that we've covered even going in, and we've been kind of down on him. We can talk about that. Not down on him, just injury-wise right. and where he's at uh, kind of thing. Everyone's optimistic, but now comes the injuries or new injuries or you start to get out the leak of real news as you're in start training camp i mean it's going to be pretty obvious if jk dobbins or michael thomas is not cleared to practice from week one day one right and then there'll be stories about it so unfortunately injuries are inevitable it's not like everyone's going to get injured this next week as they report but we're going to hear more about the negative ones, uh, the the bad news ones as it comes. Yeah, definitely. And unfortunately, it's the it's the start of the um, it's the start of the really bad ones as well. You know, those ACLs and the ones that are going to put people out immediately for the season before we ever get a chance to see them. And Dobbins was one of those guys last year when that entire Ravens set. The entire Ravens backfield went down in really short order, and we we lost our chance to see what J.K. Dobbins was going to look like as 
what we thought was going to be a, a kind of lead back in that backfield with Lamar Jackson and with, you know, see what that entire system was going to look like because the Ravens backfield, I think, is such an interesting, um, it's such an interesting approach that they've taken. You know, we know that Lamar Jackson is this singular athlete and this offense is built around him and his skill sets. And we also know that it makes life easier for a lot of other players in that offense because of him and because of the way they they play football. The offensive line don't have as hard a job because not everybody is sort of pinning their ears back and rushing the passer the way they do with everybody else. The the running backs, I think, have an easier job because of the, the space that Lamar Jackson creates. And yet Baltimore went after a guy like J.K. Dobbins with a pretty high investment, a pretty high draft pick, despite, you know, being able to get production out of guys like Gus Edwards. And not just production, but like, you know, really high-end production in terms of yards per carry and those kinds of things. So obviously Baltimore thinks that a guy with Dobbins' skill set makes a big difference even on top of what they're able to create with the offense. And we haven't yet had a chance to to sort of see what that all really looks like. And I don't know that we will this year either. Our preseason injury preview where we've done all fantasy-relevant players, but it's not just fantasy, it's for schemes too, but his sixth score, based on consultation with the Sports Injury Central doctors, myself and other guys who've done pro football and covered teams, we put him at 47, um, which, if you're for the season. Right. Which means he might round into pretty good form later in the year. We'll see. But right now, 47 for the season, meaning if someone looking at a healthy J.K. Dobbins would project him for 1,000 yards this year, let's just say, you might only want to count on 470. Rough estimate based on perhaps missing some time, not the carries, not the same guy. But that doesn't mean he can't be a great player come later in the season. But overall for the season, we have him pretty low at uh, at 47. And when we did that and we talked about the LCL and other injuries, I don't know how often this happens, but we actually got quoted by Ravens.com on the article. Nice. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, and I don't know if they deleted that or not. <laughs> I know I know. one time uh, we talked when Joe Flacco was on the team. We said, he's got a herniated disc, and this is the information that proves it. And it was from the Ravens.com website. That story got taken down within 12 hours. I didn't. I should have screenshotted it. Because <laughs> their own reporter was sort of revealing the news based on his symptoms and, and so forth. But in, in any case, but in addition to J.K. Dobbins, we're not high on, on Michael Thomas. Jameson Williams, Raheem Mostert we're not high on. And this is all medically speaking, mm. nothing based on their talent. Um, you know, Jameson, uh, uh, James Robinson a little bit too. Jameson Williams, look, it's one thing for Michael Gallup to come back and play. He's an NFL player trying to get back to the NFL. And Jameson Williams, you have a late ACL tear. And not saying he's not going to be a great player, but he's not only has to get back healthy and recover from the ACL, he has to jump a level of play. Right. I mean, he's got two hurdles, and that's what makes it harder for for him than than uh, a gallop, so to speak. So how, how much we're not the, high on uh, some of those guys. How much of the Jameson Williams thing is the timing of that injury, you know, being so late in the season, whereas if he if he torn his ACL, you know, week two of the season, obviously – regardless of what that does to his draft stock, but in terms of being able to get back and, and ready and be the same player for his rookie season, how much of the difference is that kind of is is that time scale difference, the early in the college I, I, I think season you're right. versus the end. 
I think you could argue that he has three hurdles to do well this season. The late timing of the injury, the ACL itself, which is hard enough, and then jumping a level of play to the NFL. I mean, look at recent examples. I mean, look at Odell Beckham last year, right? He was an October something ACL tear. He wasn't ready week one. I mean, I think he played week three, which I think was still early. Then he hurt his shoulder. And, but he'll, first half of the season, people say, oh, it's, uh, it's uh, the difference between the Browns and the Rams. It's, different. it's Matthew Stafford and versus Baker Mayfield. It's also Odell Beckham's knee got healthier, although he did put out that he'd been playing with a torn ACL. We'll get to the bottom of that eventually. We invited him to come on, We've, but you know, I'm, he's, uh, he's been busy, so uh, we want to get that story straight. But that's a premier wide receiver, Odell Beckham, right? And here's a rookie that got hurt late, right? And uh, so I think it's just a higher hurdle to, to, to do well. How, um, how, I don't, I, I've always been conscious this offseason specifically because we seem to be talking about a lot of guys that have torn an ACL like Jameson Williams, like Odell Beckham. I've been conscious to not use the word routine injury, um, but it does feel like ACLs are a much smaller problem than they used to be in terms of, you know, expecting the guy to return the same player. Now, timing is one thing, right? How long it's going to take him to get back. But, you know, you you tend to think now that if a guy, if a receiver or a running back or whoever tear, tears his ACL, we're going to see that guy again, you know? Whereas before, there was a very real chance that he might never be the same again. Well, I think you're right. Uh you know, the ACLs went up slightly last year overall. <clears throat> and I think we're prisoners of who tears their ACL sure. as opposed to how many ACLs, right? I mean, and uh, but and I do think recovery has gotten better from an ACL. But to say that everyone's going to be the Adrian Peterson 2,000 yards the season after, that's just not reality. Let's look at Saquon Barkley. What was he last year? Now, I know he hurt his ankle and other things, but injuries beget injuries. And we actually have him as a bounce-back year this year. Second year back is is the more fully uh, healthy year after an ACL. Now, you also have to factor in associated injuries. And J.K. Dobbins has more than just an ACL. We talk about the ACL, but he's got more than just the ACL. That's what makes him harder. But... Usually it's the second season back that they do better. Think back to Dalvin Cook, his first year back. Not so good, right? Mm-hmm. And then the second year, a bounce back. James, so Saquon's set for a, a nice bounce back. And so what we do at Sports Injury Central, probably what you do in your secret sauce is you're not just blindly, here's our algorithm and we just plug it in. Like you got to figure in other customizing factors. And for us, it's what the injury is, when it happened, how bad the injury was, right foot, left foot, what kind of player it is, you know, the timeline recovery, factoring the news, deciphering coach speak, looking at recovery video. Like, that's why we're real high on Derrick Henry. I don't know if you saw our stuff in the playoffs. We said, there's no way that he can be King Henry in these playoffs. He can be Derrick Henry, not King Henry. And I'm forgetting the stats, guys, now, but I think he had 62 yards in that um, uh, loss to the Bengals, and I think 58 of them were running to the left. 
because that's cutting off his healthy left foot. And I think you were only four yards running to his right, and including that two-point conversion to his right. And uh, if you look, we all dream, if you have Derrick Henry as a fantasy player or a Titans fan, to have an unblocked cornerback facing Derrick Henry coming at him, right? That is a dream scenario. Well, that happened one time on the right, and he was tackled for no gain. I mean, that shouldn't happen with a healthy Derrick Henry. But based on that injury, the timeline, and based on looking at his videos of his training and whatever, we've got Derrick Henry in in the 90s, 94, healthy season. That foot, at least, look, something else can come up brand new, but right now projecting... He should be healthy and good to go this year. Yeah, and, and that was the first sort of major, you know, significant injury of Derrick Henry's career. I mean, that guy, the durability of him has been incredible, not just in the NFL, but college and high school as well. So I, I think I think that's a pretty safe, safe bet to, to expect Derrick Henry to have another monster year this year if he doesn't get help, if he doesn't get nicked up with something else. Yeah, absolutely. So, so like I said, this is right now for the season. You know, if you're expecting 2,000 yards out of Derrick Henry, you might come close to that, right? At least by health. And and every week, once we get into the season, we'll uh, we'll change those the weekly six scores on individual players. And one of the things we tell our followers and people who come to the site, be it analysis for wins losses be it you know wagering be it sides totals props what you have to look at is let's say the health of a running back with the health of your offensive line against the health of the run defense that you're playing against that week right and that comes into play and what we especially pay attention to is what we call delta which is one week change like you know uh Pretty soon, everyone knows the 49ers were banged up, right? And uh, and by week, by two or three weeks in, you've seen it on the field that they don't play well, so you downgrade expectations. But that first week that they're banged up at a key position, that's the best week where people don't know it yet, right? right? And you're grading them on their past accomplishments, but you don't know that they don't have the same team. Now, you know, Sam, I mean, you do the research and you know, but the average fan can't keep track of all these non-skilled position players. And I think you're exactly right. Cluster injuries along a, a position group is absolutely key. And I always say injuries beget injuries because let's say you get injuries to a linebacker core. Well, the backup is a backup for a reason. Now, the backup has to do starter duty. Do you think the special teams coach takes him off his special teams? No. <laughs> He's still running special teams, right? And then you wear him out and whatever, and then and they're a backup for a reason already, and they're playing above their heads, and then you give them double duty, and then are you surprised that they're fatigued and maybe get hurt? And uh, cluster injuries are real at position groups. I think the other thing that's, that's a really interesting factor is playing through injuries, you know, because one of the, one of the biggest things that we – don't and and can't account for in terms of PFF grades is when guys are out there playing, but you know they're playing hurt. You know they're they're dealing with something, they're carrying an injury, and that explains why their grade drops off and they're not playing at the same level. And you know there's a very real impact that players playing hurt has, not just on them and their individual performance, but on the team. You know a lot of the times these guys are kind of hurting their team by playing hurt and it's not necessarily their fault 
they might still be the best option at their position, you know, relative to a fully healthy backup. But, you know, Baker Mayfield last season, for example, I mean, Baker Mayfield plays, tears his shoulder in week two, aggravates it later in the season. You know, it's just a, a worsening deal as the year goes on. It's entirely possible Baker Mayfield, even hurt, was a better option than Case Keenum for the entire year for them. But it's also obvious that that massively affected how well he was playing, you know, affected how he was going to do, but also affected the Browns' outlook overall and how good they were capable of being. No no question. And and I'm glad you point out that he was hurt week two. He, I mean, he dislocated his left shoulder week two right. after a pick and and came right back into the game, had it reduced and came back into the game. And no one noticed because he came back so quickly. Uh, we talked about it, and he actually played pretty well. But then when he started dropping off, and I think week five or something, people said, well, it's the shoulder. I'm like, well, he did all right week three and four. I mean, some of it may be. And, and look, uh, look at Jimmy G. I mean, uh, he got some recent criticism from some ex-teammates. Uh, look, first of all, that was his throwing shoulder that he hurt with the Patriots. So maybe you excuse him more than how it was portrayed as a non-throwing shoulder. But Jimmy G, in these last playoffs where he played, you knew. We talked about the collateral ligament in the thumb. That's a injury that quarterbacks don't typically play through well in terms of accuracy throwing down the field and he obviously was a different guy and then in that Dallas playoff game he jammed his elbow going up into the shoulder and we said oh he's got a cuff contusion and obviously now he's untradeable with his off-season shoulder surgery but who knows coming up in the next few weeks maybe he will be finally so you're absolutely right Uh, and maybe there's something where uh we can try and collaborate. You guys do all the analysis, and we'll say, look, here's his <laughs> score for the week. Yeah. And, and what do you do with that, right? And uh, do you say it's declined because of age or, or scheme? Or do you say, well, no, this is just an injury thing because look at the sixth score. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really important kind of connection of what you do and, and general football analysis because, you know, knowing that those guys, knowing what the injury really is, you know, and even if a player is capable of playing through it, what does that actually mean? Like, what version of that player are you going to be to be getting? And we've been talking about quarterbacks, but the same thing is true for, you know, any other position. You can have a pro bowl or all pro caliber lineman, but if he's playing with an injury, that means he's going to be 60% of himself. You're no longer talking about a pro bowl, all pro caliber lineman. You're talking about just some guy who might not even be starting quality anymore because he's got to battle through whatever he's dealing with for the next, you know, however long that's going to last. And, and that's where you guys yeah, come and, in with that knowledge. Yeah, and, and when we do our scores, look, we can't even scratch the surface on what you guys do at PFF, right? And we don't try to, right? That's not what we do. We So a team who's completely not talented and not very good can have a higher six score than a very skilled team. Of course. All we're dealing with is that team's health. And then you can't look at it in a vacuum. You have right. to look at it with, with the big picture. It's just one factor in terms of what's what's going on. Now, if one team's PFF grades are way better than another or position groups, and they happen to be the healthier side, now you probably really have something, right, in terms of a mismatch or advantage. That's the way that we look at it. We don't grade at all based on scheme or skill and what your grades are. So what we do is 
very, I think, complementary, but very, very different. We don't try and we couldn't come close to what you're doing. No, I think there, I think it's definitely complementary. I think it's a really important kind of element to, to get folded into, you know, everybody's understanding of, of what's happening in the NFL season. All right. Well, Sam, thank you for being generous with your time. We're over time on the 15 or 20 minutes I promised already, but it's always fun chatting with you. We probably could go another hour. Anything else you want to talk about or anything you want to talk, promote or what you're doing or any subject free for all your time, Sam? No, I, thanks for having me. Um, just, you know, we, we have our own podcast over at PFF, the PFF NFL podcast with myself and Steve. So anyone interested in checking us out, uh, head on over. But that's that's all I got. Oh yeah, PFF is is growing and uh, and and doing well, and you guys got some new additions and reporters and other things. It's it's very cool. You know, I I feel like I have a slight claim to fame related to PFF. I don't know if you know this, but I did the, the first time Ari, my sports update, ever gave his real name and showed his face was on this podcast. <laughs> Nice. You unmasked him. Unmasked. Well, I mean, the, the masked singer, the masked whatever or, or whatever. Obviously, he's done a great job and he's built a great following. But, you know, I, I've joked with Ari that I, quote, discovered him. Not true at all. Right. <laughs> I mean, he was discovered by a lot of people. But the claim is that, you know, he unmasked on uh, Pro Football Doc podcast. So anyways, uh, hopefully we won't have the reverse effect on your career after your because <laughs> everyone knows you already here. Uh, thank you very much, Sam. And uh, we'll check chat again at any point in time if i can ever help you uh let me know we appreciate it and we'll be back shortly for the second half of the pro football doc podcast all right thanks again to sam monson special guest on the pro football doc podcast um fun to chat with him and we could go into greater depth uh pff obviously everyone knows great resource we're just trying to take it to the next level as we factor in the six scores. Kind of like, as he said, like they don't know what to do with that. Well, we don't know what to do with all their analysis on how they get there, right? We right. we could take their grades. And, uh, and uh, Taylor, you're working on it a bunch, I know. Taylor, uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, Jacob there. And uh, you guys recovered from yesterday? That was fun. Oh, I'm good, yeah. <laughs> Doc, Doc took us to Padres game uh no offense, though, so Taylor's under hit. <laughs> it's the, the only part of a, a low-scoring baseball game like that is just hoping the under hit's right. Nah, I mean, first of all... Heavy air, right? Yeah, yeah well, well, that's a known phenomenon. Like, you yeah. know, when it's a night game, especially after the sun sets, there's not a lot of offense. And, and the books know that by now. But yesterday by the coast it was very overcast and foggy it was almost like a june gloom day and almost humidity and foggy kind of and heavy air that first inning who was that hit a ball to right field and winning yeah kettle marte Marte. yeah yeah when off the bat i was like bye-bye and it got held up to the warning track it felt like mid-flight it slowed down so Yeah. yeah good good play there but Great minds, right? <laughs> I, yeah. didn't play I didn't play it, of course, and trying to stick to the rules. I'm just but, glad it, it kept me from getting sunburned, you know. The cloud cover came by nicely. <laughs> and, uh, so what time did you finally leave the ballpark? Well, we had a the nice... Game in, uh, like 4.45 over there, like another 45 after. That's all right. We were watching the grounds crew. There's people playing on the field. It was fun. I, I noticed the pause. <laughs> so I was like, someone sent me calibrate. a nice Lexus Pass thing. I had to use that. So, so they were they were you know you know drinking with their pinkies out or something you know <laughs> <Yeah>. having <laughs> beverages. Uh, 
late in the stadium. Uh, what was the highlight of the day there? I mean, first of all, you guys gave me grief. Like, I why know. wasn't I sitting next to you? I had the family over <laughs> here and stuff. I mean, jeez, I mean. <laughs> You're more mobile than I've seen anybody at a sports game before, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but we had a friend of the podcast, Dave Bin, sitting next to us, and we were joking around that we're, we'll never get a foul ball because we were so close to the dugout. It had to be a real, real high pop-up. And, of course, like three pitches later, one comes, and it seemed like the wind kicked up because it, it, last second it swung right to Bin, and he, he tried to one-hand it after putting down his meatball sub. So it was, it was a tough play. It was under duress. I'm not giving him an error on that. <laughs> well, we had some fun when I joined you guys because there were a bunch of people there, and I, you know, that saw that, and I asked him about the drop foul ball. He goes, "Oh yeah, he didn't catch it." And so he, I go, and we were like, "Yeah, I mean, maybe." I guess it was hard. There was wind. There was spin. But if he was a professional athlete or something, you'd expect <laughs> him to, right? <laughs> and, and then they kind of caught on. And they're like, "Who is this guy?" And yeah, they're like, "He must be something." Yeah. <laughs> But you know, Dave Ben's been good. He was on the podcast here and uh, uh, and uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, he was a good sport about it. And you know, I, I I know what happened. I said I know what happened. Dave Ben is so cal laid back. He's like, oh, the ball's not coming. I don't have to worry. It's not going to hit my family or anybody. I got my meatball. His side. family wasn't even there. They, they were weren't even there. there. Yeah, they, was, they was anyone. empty seats. He had all the room in the world. Oh, so you, no baby in the hand. No, he didn't have a baby. <laughs> no, he had the meatball sub over the ball. The baby. Yeah, yeah that's his yeah. baby. The meatball that's the baby. sub. So, yeah, you're so right. he put, yeah, yeah. put it down. And I said, when I put it back together, I said, I know what happened. You tried to nonchalant the thing yeah. like it was easy. And you one-handed it at the last second, you know, and it <laughs> dropped. He goes, yeah, I just spun out of my hand i was just telling him a story i was like i told him a story on my cousin literally went to a game one time and he thought he could catch a ball straight with his bare hand and it bounced right off his bare hand and this is what dave said he's just like you just got to clash on the ball and then like jago said (laughs) three pitches so he's a a better pitcher than catcher yep that's yeah that's his uh claim to fame there no that i'm gonna keep giving him some grief on that one uh (laughs) And by the way, I sense he's getting a little nervous on that golf bet with uh, Danny Woodhead. Yeah, he didn't talk about it too much. We were, tr- we were trying to get some uh, a little back and forth with him, and he, he was just uh, moving on to other topics. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the nerve. So uh, drop, foul ball. But Dave's line, of course, I'll catch the next one. So you're never going to get a next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, <what> <laughs> that's it, man. I mean, I mean uh, – I didn't say this to him. It would have been mean, but I said, well, you know, you win the next Super Bowl. Well, there hasn't been a next one, has there? (laughs) He was in the one with the Chargers. But uh, anyways, um, let's talk about more football or other sports where you guys want to go. One player we didn't get to talk about with uh, Sam Munson because it's kind of breaking uh, early this morning, but whatever. We we had a free agency uh, preview on him, but. The news today is he came into camp a little little hefty. Leonard Fournette, yeah. they said he's uh, as uh, Rick Stroud said on I guess on the podcast that's uh, where the news came from. He's a donut shy of two sixty. <laughs> I thought that was a fun way to put it. Well, uh, I would hope that he's made some progress already because I think that was in reference. He wasn't there for all of OTAs, right? That so was they didn't see a couple him. months ago. So yeah. that was during mini camp, mm-hmm. a mandatory mini camp that he showed in, showed up a little bit heavy. And uh, all I know is in my Scott Fishbowl draft, someone drafted Leonard Fournette recently. I'm sure they're like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, look, if you're 260 in May, I mean, you can be, if you're working hard, you know, 
240, 245 now and then into shape. So maybe he got read the riot act and he's going to be okay. I don't, I don't know. Well, when he was on Jacksonville, he had this issue too before, and um, it was a motivation thing, you know, because he wanted out of uh, out of that city, that team. Um, I know he just got the three year contract and stuff. I just don't medically does that always come back? I know. Remember Eddie Lacy had issues when it came back and forth, back and forth. Like, is that something he's kept at bay and it just popped up and he's just gonna he'll get it back? Well, what, okay. Right? In in the big picture, there's only I don't really know anyone when they they're done with the NFL that stays the same size. They either get big or they get skinny. They Very few people maintain their playing weight. So Fournette probably is a guy who's going to get big when he's done. and It's the propensity, right? And Nick Hardwick was a guy who's going to get small when he was done. Dave Bin is a guy that's going to get small when he was done. You know, um, there's different, you know, body types and people. So, yeah, I guess he struggled weight. I mean, you know, the more weight... The more stress on your body, um, you know, um, I guess we should go back and look at his uh, season six score. If he really is reporting near 260, we probably have to downgrade uh, some of the health issues. But let's see where he shows up in camp. This is just this is not he's donut shy of 260 today. This is right. Rick Stroud's opinion. And I respect him mm-hmm. from May. I'm sure in May, the coaches sat him down and said, you know, this is not going well. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe he said, well, heck, Tom's retiring, so I can start eating <laughs> and uh, never reversed course, right? <laughs> That's right. He'll get him on the TV 12 diet now, and he'll, he'll be ready for camp. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, LeBron was making headlines this week, showing up at the Drew League. I, I thought it was interesting that they spaced it out away from Kyrie. Kyrie was there like two hours earlier. I haven't seen any video from Kyrie's appearance, but, of course, social media was being lit up by LeBron. All right, I, Justin will show it here for you guys. But I, I looked at that video and I just chuckled. The first thing I said was, "Okay, remember the G League, Chet Holmgren? Oh my God, he's great. He's the best thing in the whole deal." And then the next day, he kind of got pushed around a little bit. Okay, maybe I was a little premature. Whatever people on the internet were saying. Uh, is anyone shocked that LeBron scored forty-two points? Look, the man had three, should have scored more, maybe, right? <laughs> well, like the man had three assists, and two of them were what behind the back passes, show right. show off kind of thing. Like Globetrotter, yeah. He was he was there. Yeah, it was Globetrotters. He was there to right. be Globetrotters. <laughs> score the forty two. Look, uh, he could have gotten more assists too. But and the other thing is, there was quite a bit of Olay defense there. I mean, look, not. Not to make this the Dave Ben podcast, part two, but remember when Dave was here, he had a, a basketball injury from pickup basketball from an overeager guy, right? And this is where, let me tell you something, veteran players don't like, first string veteran players don't like practicing against the 90th guy on the squad because that guy's just trying to make a name and do something and there's no cadence, like they're coming out of nowhere to 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 go super hard and and that's why i'm sure lebron can't just go to any pickup basketball game because there's going to be some yahoo that's going to try and make a name or do this that the other and silly stuff you get undercut and get hurt these guys were actually all at least respectful they played a game but they weren't going to like put him in a situation to hurt him that was part of the, the probably contingency to come nobody's surprised that he's 
you know, scored 42 and, and the whole deal. I am surprised that, I mean, it was, you had people all over the place, toes on the line. There was no out of bounds uh, area. Packed, yeah, I, I was like that. That was a bigger safety concern than anything for any of the players and and the spectators. I mean, they're yep. I mean, they literally, people were on the yep. on the end lines and yep. sidelines. All the spectators, and they didn't have any room to move. They were packed in like sardines. So it's not like they could back up or get out of the way. There was nowhere to go. I thought that was uh, interesting. Uh, but yeah, whenever you have a mismatch in talent, that's where you you worry sometimes about injuries but thankfully they were respectful lebron but one of the stories that we're going to put out here working on the analysis lebron recently said he's 100 percent now was it just me or did he say not that long ago that he'll never be 100 percent physically right he did, I mean, during the season yep yeah you know i mean that gets perspective you know time heals all well we're going to do some analysis on that too and we've started our analysis of basketball into next season because the news is coming you know uh lonzo ball we talked about with john heffernan former bulls doctor that lonzo ball's not out of the woods with his knee now he may not be there start of the season and all that stuff and we've written about it at sports injury central sicscore.com um the chris middleton may not be ready with the wrist ligament thing um but you watch, guys. You're going to have so much content coming out in the next few days about, oh, yeah, maybe that guy isn't fully on track and schedule. Oh, yeah, I don't – I mean, that's this is where the 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 news starts starts coming out. And, uh, heck, you remember uh, it was the reporting the day that Fernando Tatis Jr. reported to baseball camp that came the news of his scaphoid fracture, right? And I'm not saying it's the same, but when you report – news starts getting broken you know you no longer hiding behind an instagram video or or the pollyanna and interpretation from agents and players where it's one-sided you get more real information now yeah i know we're, we're all over that for football but we'll have to start tracking for basketball too for when they uh when they start up i know it's not too long of an off season especially with the playoffs running so long the update on the Drew League, Kyrie actually no-showed. He was They were oh, supposed to why. space out their times, but he no-showed. And they ever, he told the organization that he was going to play. And then everybody got upset about it. And then he released a video that he was helping young, you know, little girls learn to play basketball and stuff. So he's, he's very, uh, you know, does whatever he wants, right? So he, he probably decided mid, you know, he wanted to do something else. but Or not be with LeBron. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I was going to uh, say something related to COVID, but I'll hold myself. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Oh, I can't. So Maybe the gym was too packed and, you know. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> it was a business decision, yeah. No. Well, just... You said sardines, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a baseball star break. Um, Red Sox fans were excited to have Chris Sale back. That didn't last too long. Just two starts. We have, we have an article up on him with his return timeline. But you're you're not too pessimistic on his his chances to return this year, right, Doc? Yeah, I think I saw some this morning where he said, "Yeah, I'm returning this year. It's a matter of when." And uh, look, uh, I don't. We're still waiting to hear a little bit back from the pro baseball docs and so forth. But typically, when you grip a ball, like my nine year old throws a change that you know every finger touches it. Most of the time, the pinky finger is the least important one in terms of grip and pitches that you're throwing. So. Uh, that means, and he doesn't have to hit. So I think it's quicker than you think, even if he has pins or, or, or screws or surgery on it. Um, it's going to be more than 15 days, but it's not going to be 60. 
you know? So I get it. Everyone's like, oh, he just got back and got hurt. I mean, that was a freak play. It's bad, bad luck. It has nothing to do with his original injury. So um, I think he'll Is be- it going to change his pitches at all, Doc? Is he going to throw more, like, diff- you know, fastball, change up? Like, I don't know what his price uh, uh, dominant pitch is. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know yeah. his no, interpretar well enough, much less of how he grips the ball, right? right? I mean, uh, kind of thing. And, and uh this is where, look, I've covered baseball. You know, we talked about it, the Minnesota Twins, the Chicago Cubs, some, but not to the extent I have football and being the head guy and whatever. So I don't want to get over my skis on some of this. But you're right. It does make a difference, um, et cetera. Um, for example, uh, Manny Machado, if you really evaluated his swing, you could have predicted that he was going to have trouble with that low outside pitch when he came back. And finally, He's pretty good right now, though yesterday he helped your under quite a bit uh, yesterday. Um, yeah, but he's he's looking healthier and healthier on that ankle. And he's hit a couple of bombs, but he's still not 100%, right? And initially we thought uh, he's going to be till after the All-Star break to sort of get to 100% and be full go. Obviously, he beat that estimate by a bunch, but... He also wasn't very good the first half of his return, where he had, what, 13 strikeouts and 18 appearances. Um, and he's starting I mean, the All-Star first, game now, too, right? Which is, yeah, you know, of course. Yeah, so. I mean, he's, he's <laughs> awesome, a man there. Right? But I think the first half of our baseball season, our first ever baseball season, has been pretty good, guys. I mean, the diamond views, what we said, and, and you know, we gave a low six score for the season to DeGrom, and we surprised some people with that and it was probably too high <laughs> you know i mean he's not back yet um well what looking else? back on stuff doc i've seen um the one thing we did pan that we probably are wrong about is uh mookie betts remember he had the bone spur and we thought that might you know irritate him go you know linger into season he did have the rib yeah, fracture too yeah but that well. caused the rib fracture because he couldn't move out of the way and then, no i'm just <laughs> <Yeah>. joking <laughs> i'm joking you're like i'm, I'm not wrong <laughs> no but yeah oh yeah always say we do so well on all of our things yeah there's just sometimes you know we get that one but you know we everything we do you know we try to you know that's what we felt like when we wrote it right so i mean we're not gonna Look, change I mean, our opinion n- name me a football team that makes seven draft picks and all seven work out well i mean you know, I mean, you, you do the best. I have the opposite. You can. I'm a Raiders fan. We did 0 for 7. We, we did the other way around on that. But. <laughs> well, I think we can beat 0 for 7, Taylor. We can yeah, beat 0 yeah. for 7. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, look, Ronald Acuna Jr., we said, oh, he's going to be DHing. He's not going to play in the field. And the first game, we were wrong. He was in the field, right? But that was out of necessity, and it lasted one game. And then he's been DHing since. And, uh, He's getting uh, better. Eh, the second half of the season, maybe they're going to just be comfortable with him there, but you could have him playing some more in uh, in right field. Well, let's move on to Beast of the Week. I think we got only one candidate this week. It's uh, the Kenosha Kingfish mascot. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. But I know you guys wanted to go again with this time with Zach Wilson's mom and stuff. But I know. Come on. Let it, you guys I mean, shot me down on that. I apologize. I mean, yeah. come I on. Mean. I mean, let him do what it's he wants It's the off-season, Doc. we got nothing to talk about. I mean, I'm amazed that there's been no denials. It's just, oh, it's not this friend, i.e. there's another. I yeah. mean, it's yeah, whatever. It's, it's each his own. Is they're, they're, right. they're good. And leave the woman unidentified. Who knows? Maybe she's He had the Instagram I mean, post, let, remember, that he leave, was, leave, oh, I was in Montana. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, that was See, that, that was yeah. that was a beast move to to say that. Yeah, that was Tom Brady esque. 
But yes, what I missed. Okay, right? yeah. Okay, <laughs> let me ask you, listeners. Maybe we'll have a poll, or yeah. I'll just have poll you two guys. Was that just Zach Wilson, or was that a PR firm or agent saying you should do this? It's not him because he he's never been that funny. <laughs> he might have ran through multiple options, but I, I assume that was fed to him by somebody. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's not. It's more off the cuff, but right. I mean, to me, that's smacked of Tom Brady throwing into the jug machine and then having the ball fire back out. What was that last year? In the, the crypto year commercial, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's produced. That's fine. It's a great answer. I mean, let him be. It's fine. What did I miss? Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> He's, he's. I heard jersey sales are up for Zach Wilson. <laughs> a lot of a lot oh, of fans. You knew that was going to happen. Big on him yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the beast of the week here, we have you know, AJ Dillon in an Oklahoma drill, trucking this. What is it? Kingfish. Kenosha or, Kingfish. Kenosha yeah. Kingfish. I know where Kenosha is. Do you guys know? Was, I'm assuming right? it's in Wisconsin. Yeah. Very <laughs> close to Chicago. Ah, okay. Just so on really, the southern yeah. border. Yeah. Really. Uh, so. First of all, Oklahoma drill. AJ Dillon's lying down. This kingfish. Did anyone know? The guy, girl, big guy, little guy, young guy, old guy. It looks like looks like a kind of younger guy. You just get the the frame of him after the you head pops put, off. You, yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. Well, first just, of all, just purely, the, purely guesswork. The, the, the guy gets up so slowly because hey, I don't know what kind well, of I mean, on his head. Did you see what happened? Though, to, man. To <laughs> now, here's what I want to know before I sign the beast of the week. I mean, it's easy to say it's A.J. Dillon, okay? He's a beast. He's, He's huge. A beast, He's anyways. a big, big dude, yeah. Or is the Beast of the Week the mascot? Did he know this was going to happen and he did it? Now, this goes to what I'm saying that in the Pro Bowl it even happens. Dude, you offensive lineman and defensive. Dude, you good? You good? I mean, let's, let's play yeah, the yeah. patty cake, right? And let's put on a good show for the fans and call it a day, right? This is like what I talked about in the LeBron situation or training camp, you know, where there's one guy who's like going all out versus another and how vets will, will often handle that with, if a rookie isn't listening, the vet will next play absolutely pancake the rookie and say, really, <laughs> tell me how you want to go. <laughs> you know, I mean, and they get the message like, okay, I got to tone it down here. Cause if, if I tone it down, the vet will, keep it where i look pretty good or if you're gonna really fire up the vet he's gonna just destroy me and yep. uh, i'll have a long camp kind of kind of deal so uh, you, you take care of things within them this is just a one-shot deal with aj Dillon. now i don't know what the social media pr guy did to convince that guy to do this did he know he was going full like i'll say the kid gets up and there's no forward lean He's just standing there. Yeah. Did he really think he could tackle him? I mean, I mean, that was set really up for thought, failure, right? <laughs> well, if he didn't think he was set up for failure, like maybe there was a, you know, hey, we're just going to do this for fun. And he got surprised. Right. Right. And in that case, the A.J. Dillon's a beast for taking advantage of him. But or is this kid really thought he could tackle uh, A.J. Dillon or is he going in 100 percent? Do you think A.J. No, he's got backward no leaning. Right. Look, yeah, look at the exactly. kid when he gets up. He's, <laughs> you know, he does move his feet, shuffle a little bit, but he's not. There's no yeah. forward lean there. What do they say? Low man wins. I mean, <laughs> even if he gets low, I don't think A.J. Dillon he's, loses, yeah. but he's not right. no man there. Eh? So we'll give him to him. Now, now the pro football doc diagnosis or impression is he's got a chest contusion, a sternal contusion. Those hurt. This kid is out four, six weeks. 
is my impression. You know, I don't think he had any uh, kingfish padding there in his chest. That just looks like a jersey, you know. <laughs> so uh, he, he needs some beast. help from Dylan, then, right? <laughs> he's gonna need he, some help he, from Dylan. He, oh, and he does the forearm <laughs> shiver too. So we'll give the kid, yeah. <laughs> the mascot, the the receiving end of Beast of the Week. And look, if he can make it back before four or six weeks, we'll give him the Beast of the Week there uh, as we uh, celebrate the transition from baseball season to football season and football now just crushed the baseball mascot. So (laughs) there is our transition into it. All right, guys. uh, Thanks for watching sports injury central podcast, SICscore.com. We're coming out with the team stuff shortly as teams report to camp. We've got some of the divisions done. We've got defensive players coming and, you know, we'll continue to monitor all this stuff and, we have some interesting takes coming up before, besides what we discussed with Sam uh, Monson. One involving Tua Tagovailoa and perhaps Tyree Kill. We're still working on the details mm-hmm. on that one, but that is coming as well. All right. Thanks for watching and listening. Appreciate you guys. And uh, lots of new stuff coming on the website. So go check it out, bookmark it, sign up for notifications. Uh, etc. It's still completely free, which has been our uh, promise to you guys. And we're still doing stuff for FanDuel as their official injury expert. And we'll be back on Sirius and the Fox stuff. And we'll be uh, lots of different places. Uh, Thanks for watching and following.